Hey folks, before we get into the rest of the show, this is Adam Summer, and I just wanted to take a moment to let you know that it's October, and October is Rett Syndrome Awareness Month. My daughter, Clara, who's six years old, received her diagnosis in October 2018. Since then, our lives have changed in many ways, some amazing, some extremely difficult. And during the month of October, there are opportunities that I will share both on this show and on my social media feeds with folks uh, when it comes to not just learning about Rett Syndrome, but also helping out. RettSyndrome.org is a nonprofit organization. We have been working with them basically since we received our diagnosis. They have a team of folks who reach out to families as soon as they get the news. Rett Syndrome, for those of you who aren't aware, is basically an entire body type disease. It affects different people in different ways, although it mostly affects girls. Even within that, it affects the girls in many different ways. For our world, Clara is non-ambulatory and does not have any speech, so she doesn't walk, she doesn't talk, she can't really do anything for herself. She requires constant and consistent help with every single task you can possibly think of throughout your day. Along with that, she does get to attend public school, she goes to dance class, she absolutely loves dance class, and if anybody who listens to these shows ever wants to know why I fight so hard for public school, outside of the fact that I think it's one of the most important things in our society, I have seen firsthand what it means to have the federal, state, legal protections, and proper funding in place to create integrated classrooms where somebody like Clara in her wheelchair with her screen that she can look at to say words to her classmates gets to participate in class right alongside what we would call neurotypical kids. Clara's presence in school, Clara's presence in dance, light up people's days. We see it over and over and over again. So if you want to help out, you can do that by going to RettSyndrome.org. There's a fundraiser all this month. And if you're on social media, especially if you're on Twitter, I just shared the link at Adam underscore Summer, S-O-M-M-E-R, 85. That's at Adam underscore Summer, 85 on Twitter. And you can click the link that I shared to go sign up for my fundraising team. If you're around St. Louis and you want to sign up, the St. Louis Rett Syndrome Strollathon is this Saturday. It's coming up. Uh, that will be the October, first Saturday in October, uh, the 7th, that you can sign up for that. That's at rettsyndrome.org. You can search for the St. Louis Strollathon. We'd love to have folks come out and join us. Uh, Clara will be there. We will be there. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a great day to learn and to experience and to see what it means to support families who are doing things during their day that you may not even really comprehend. Thanks for bearing with me for this. And now let's get to the full show. On this episode of the Heartland Pod for Monday, October 2nd, 2023, the GOP loses another abortion case, Democracy Docket Watch, new segment alert, look out, shutdown avoided, but at what price? And Amazon is going a courting. Lots to do, so let's go. Welcome to the Heartland Pod, where we are working together to change the conversation in politics. My name is Adam Summer. I'm one of your co-hosts, and I am here with Rachel Parker, fellow co-host uh, here at the pod. Rachel, how are you? Thanks for, for joining me for this one, and uh, how you doing? What you sipping on? I'm doing good. We're taping a little bit later than we normally do. and Both earlier as, and later. Yes. So a giant 
tire of tired just landed on my head. It's yeah. like, like right before we record. So my face is that kind of it's I'll get over it. I'll get over the hump, but I'm not quite there. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to thank everybody for their, uh, for their loveliness and their patience. And, uh, because of all the things I just said, I'm sipping on just some lovely H2O, yeah. um, lovely water. It was hot today. It was, it was like, it was super hot. And it's, and it's at that time of year where like your brain has already decided it shouldn't be this hot. That's so right. It's even, That's it right. feels even hotter than it really is. It's just That's very correct. annoying. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like a sound that you can't stop at night. And even though you're tired enough that you should just sleep, but um, yeah, similar, uh, was outside quite a bit today and so I'm pretty tired now, but, uh, yeah, we're recording a day early. So if there's stuff that happens on Sunday, big stuff on the Sunday shows, some huge gaffe or something, uh, we're not going to cover that because we're recording on Saturday due to scheduling issues, uh, which is also why there's no Sean. So, uh, we will still, uh, get through lots of good stuff. We have, uh, uh I was concerned cause I was like, man, it feels like they're other than the shutdown, and then I started building the show sheet, and I was like, "Oh no, there was a ton of stuff to talk about." So there's, there's it's plenty. It's kind to of do. it's it's. I feel like this is the year of like, oh my god, what didn't happen? Like we yeah. all just need a break. Like yeah. it's it's crazy. So Rachel, before we get into the issues, I just wanted to make sure everybody is aware. I didn't even tell you guys until uh, it had happened because I didn't want to spook anybody. I didn't want the deer to run away. Um, <laughs> you know, you always want to be careful. Sometimes. I should, I should, I should say, like, by the way, like, if you want somebody who knows how to keep a secret, oh my, Adam Summer, that you, you will die with shit. You'll be like, I won't tell nobody. Like, there's hey, stuff that I found out later. I'm a lawyer. I'm like, it's part of my job. Yeah, you're it's no, you're literally part of keep, my job. You're very good at keeping things close to the vest. So, uh, had had reached out, had had some back and forth, and finally was able to schedule it uh, with. It was kind of last second, which was part of why it wound up happening, sort of at an odd time. Uh, scheduled with Russ Carnahan, who is the chair of the Missouri Democratic Party. Longtime listeners will remember that uh, this will be the third time I've had the chair of the party on the show, the first time that it's this chair of the party. And uh, I, I get into it a little bit with Russ, not in a bad way. I get into the fact that the last time uh, the Missouri party chair was on the show, a couple of weeks later they resigned, and so hopefully we don't start any trends. Uh, we're not looking to do that, so... Uh, but it was a very good uh, chat with Russ. I hope uh, you guys like the interview. It'll be out on Wednesday morning. So Rachel and I today, you'll get Russ Carnahan and I on Wednesday morning. And then we'll be back, uh, hopefully, with all three of us for Friday. But uh, whoever's available, that's who we'll have on the show. So, uh, yeah, well, with that, let's actually get into uh, get into the show. Uh, you guys can support what we do by leaving a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to the show. You can follow us on social media with at the Heartland Pod and check out heartlandpod.com. Click that Patreon link to learn about becoming a podhead today. And a reminder, we do have a new site that's in development. Uh, in fact, we're, we have another meeting this week to talk more about where that's going to be headed. It's very cool. It's very exciting. And uh, people who are signed up over on Patreon, we're going to roll you over uh, when we open up the site and we're doing beta testing and uh, you guys are going to become members right away. So uh, if you get signed up now, you get uh, extra shows as we drop last calls. There's a couple of recent ones sitting over there right now that you can access uh, along with all that library. And uh, plus you'll be, like I said, right into the new site when it's uh, ready to go. So very exciting stuff happening there. Let's uh, let's jump in uh, to the true false here. Either true or false, 
is that the GOP will continue their Sisyphus-like push on abortion, ultimately handing Dems major 2024 victories. Uh, this popped back up because, uh, you know, if folks haven't figured it out by now, it's a huge issue for 2024. It's possibly the issue of 2024, or at least a, a top top three type issue. And uh, there are continuing efforts going on out there uh, in North Carolina, not a state that we normally spend a ton of time in um, as far as our coverage goes, but a federal judge on Saturday blocked two portions of North Carolina's new abortion law from taking effect while the lawsuit continues. This is out of uh, a, uh, it's an Associated Press at AP article that uh, Politico is uh, repurposing. U.S. District Judge Kathleen Eagles issued an order halting enforcement of a provision to require surgical abortions that occur after 12 weeks. So this was a 12-week abortion ban, uh, and the North Carolina Supreme Court, or North Carolina federal judge, excuse me, uh, has uh, ruled that as, at the very least, uh, has put a halt on it being uh, enforced an injunction while the lawsuit continues on its constitutionality. Uh, meanwhile, here in Missouri, where we are based, uh, we talked about on Friday, Sean and I did, a judge in Missouri completely destroyed Jay Ashcroft, the Secretary of State's attempted language on a ballot initiative uh, that would change the Missouri Constitution, amend the Missouri Constitution to allow for abortion to be legal. Right now it is illegal in the state of Missouri, uh, effectively based on the statute that was passed and uh, the law that was put into place. So, uh, Rachel, what do you think? You know, I was reading through the judgment, or I was reading it through the judgment. I have no business reading a full judgment without, like, supervision from one Adam <laughs> Summer or another lawyer near my side. But I was reading the comments and the story from the judge uh, that were pulled out of the judgment. And it's what re- really reminded me of is something you said um, after we were talking about Missouri's abortion ban and how some of these uh, judgments were coming back early and you said the fundamental problem with a lot of these laws is they are written, they are religious in nature in right. the way they are written. Right. And so she basically, this judge who was, who was an Obama appointee, I'm sure that really chafes the hide of the oh, yeah. re- Republicans in North Carolina. She says that there are conflicting and unsubstantiated claims in the law itself. So the law basically says that you can't you have to go to a a hospital to have a medical abortion um which is in conflict with how uh pregnancies are terminated if they're determined to, so so in other words like there's two different situations where a woman will we'll just go down this path there's if a woman needs or a reproductively viable human being needs to terminate a pregnancy it's for one of two reasons one because they don't want to carry the child to term the other is or they want to terminate the pregnancy before it becomes a, pre- a real, before it becomes a fetus. The other is there's a problem with the pregnancy itself. And the right. doctor says we have to, we have to get a DNC, right? A DNC right. and abortion are basically the same thing. Right. And DNCs are not performed in a hospital. They're done in the doctor's office. You go in, they give you some, some happy drugs and like you, you know, it's it, usually it's not a, a happy day for a woman, especially or a pregnancy. I should say a reproductively viable person um, when they discovered that the pregnancy they were hoping was going to turn into a child has to be terminated. So the judge was like, this doesn't, none of this makes any sense. And the things that you're saying don't make sense. Basically like that's what she says over and over again is none of this makes any sense. And I, and I heard your voice. The reason it doesn't make sense is because it doesn't, they're not trying to make sense. That's right. They're trying to make religion. That's right. The the law of the land. Um, So, 
uh, I'm going to say, going back to your premise, um, I think that it's, I mean, I think that it is true. I was listening mm-hmm. to David Pepper on Dirt Road Democrat uh, today, and I agree with him to say, like, don't be shocked at what they're doing. Be prepared. Know that you've got to have, like, all of the P's, basically, like, all your P's and Q's done in these uh, major uh, ba- ballot initiatives or the state legislature will will get you on the back end. But I think that right. we're learning, we've learned now through application how the language of these initiatives needs, these these constitutional amendments need to be written so that they can't just be automatically undone by the state legislature. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, it's, it's easy to talk about, uh, you know, kind of, it's easy to sort of like project yourself into the future and think what votes you're going to be thinking in right. November of 2024. But like, yeah, which is, is kind a, of the basis of the question, but it's still, it's yeah. So, but uh, you know, this is something that whenever you ask the average person, do you think a person should be able to terminate a pregnancy if they were sexually assaulted? All of them are like, yeah. And there's, yeah. Yeah, you they might get somebody who makes a point to say, like, uh, you know, I don't I don't agree with abortion in general, but it's hard to, to think that somebody shouldn't be allowed to have that access. Right. Like, that's so, a common answer. And so the the way that, that they could have, for example, uh Mr. Mr. J. Ashcroft, the way that he could have given himself a pass is just to say, look, well, I'm just gonna my job is to make sure that the signatures are there. Mm-hmm. My job is to make sure that this would be a constitutional amendment or whatever that whatever right. the hell he, he's right. not even supposed to do that. He's supposed to basically like just put it on the ballot if it gets its signatures and validate the signatures. He's not even supposed to comment on the language itself normally, right? Like that's well, not the, his responsibility. The proposed language does go to the Secretary of State's office for approval. It is very rare that the Secretary of State's office does a lot regarding ballot language. It's mostly making sure that it generally conforms with uh, the law. You can't, uh, you know, one of the big complaints um, with the, uh, the the ballot measure that we were dealing with in Missouri most recently, um, that they, they wound up not making it through the legislature, but the, the front end of the language that they were trying to use was about an unrelated topic, right? And so the Secretary of State could reject wholesale and say, you know, this language doesn't, uh, you know, meet with the legal requirements. And if you recall, they did reject the attorney general's attempted uh, use of language right. regarding right. ballot initiatives. That's right. So That's right. they can do that, um, but it is rare that they would weigh in so heavily on language like this to where it, they would be in a court case that they're challenging right. to change the language. So it was pretty heavy handed. And if you, if you guys, if you didn't listen to the Friday episode, uh, Sean and I got into it a little bit more in depth and I read some from that judgment because the, I mean, it truly was a smackdown from the judge. It was in, like, in it was case. like a hammer. I yeah. was a little bit mad. I was a little bit upset. I, I couldn't make it on Friday. So I was a little bit set to tape on Friday. So I was a little bit sad. I didn't get to talk with you guys about this because it's one of those, the judge was like inequivocal. The judge was just yeah. like, sit down, sir. Yeah, like exactly. Kind of, he got, ch- so yeah, I, I think, said good like, day. Yeah, yeah. I said good day, sir. You touched this. You stole fizzy lifting drinks, and um, you know the 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 conservative movement, the conservative religious movement is so kind of I don't know how they're they're kind of going through this sort of like 
crazy post Trump post Supreme Court, like almost like a form of euphoria. Yeah, there's a little there's, there's there's that, but there's also sort of like a sneaky little realignment that's happening underneath, where yeah. there's sort of this 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 rejection of the modern materialistic evangelical church that's starting to happen more and more. I'm I'm watching it. Um, especially like on my pro- own. You mean the, like the prosperity gospel types, like those people, or do you mean yeah, kind of a rejection the... of that? So okay, sort of, that's there, cool. there was sort of this, like this, this trend line that started happening in the nineties where a lot of like your traditional kind of Southern Baptist style churches, yeah. there started to be these splits. And right. so you get one group would go over here, the other group would go over there sure. and th- there would be sort of this, uh, fancy church than the non fancy church. Right. Right. And right. so that started to happen. And then in the 2000s, kind of really the late aughts into the tens is when the prosperity gospel kind of sort of hit its, I, w- I would call it like real fire hit. Like it was there, yeah. but yeah. it really went like a rocket ship, just boom, all of a sudden it was everywhere. And it was, it was kind of normalized, like really overnight totally, and in a huge, huge way. And, well, they, and all those, a lot of those preachers became like kind of like pop culture figures, like Joel Osteen, yeah, was and on billionaires Oprah and, in the yeah, process. Yeah, totally. In, in the totally. process, yeah. Pop, pop culture is the right. Yes, it became pop. Yeah. It absolutely yeah. became pop culture. Yeah. And I think that the the sugar high, the rocket fuel, has burned off. And so, right. I think I think that part has happened. And like any good multi level marketing scheme, which is precisely what those churches are. Totally. Um, and I'm not saying all churches are that. I'm saying those types of churches are. Uh, the, the people who get the box of, you know, <laughs> the Shit's Creek, right? The people who get the box of Alave, um, they wind up just using their own product and selling it back to themselves and not making any money. And so eventually this idea of, if I just follow these rules, I'll be rich. Well, then you don't get rich. And so when you don't get rich for enough years, you eventually right. stop, you know, you move on to the next whatever it is, right. whatever get rich right. thing is going to make right, you happy right, right, because right, right, right. we're all chasing the American dream of being rich. So. No, and I, th- I, th- I think that's a really good point. Um, yeah. So I think, uh, you know, I I've said this from, from jump that I think that abortion is going to be the number one motivating factor for women in 2024. Yeah, I think so. I think they will drag their, the husbands that don't vote and their, friends and colleagues who don't follow politics, they're going to grab their, it's such a, this is one of those issues that doesn't require a lot of explanation. No. And that's why I think it's so vital to, that's why I think it's going to be such a, I don't want to say slam dunk because I don't, I I hate using that kind of language. Like Sean's kind of drilled that. Because you're not comfortable with sports metaphors. Like that is true. I am not. <laughs> we all know that I'm not a sports metaphor girl, though I try. I try. Um, but that's it's, for anybody who's like, what is dry humor? That right there was. Yes. That's it. That was it. That's how you that do it. it. That's how you do it. Uh, inside references too. Yeah. Um, so the there are so many issues that voters are confronted with that are steeped right. in nuance. Yeah. The Ukraine war is a very good example of that. Right. It's you have to really be like, okay, sit down. We're gonna have to talk about this guy, and his name is Vladimir Putin. Well, the deeper you dig into that, it's like, oh, this is like a fifty-year history thing. Yeah, yeah. And there's this thing, and it's called that goes back and forth. That and there's this thing called the Crimean Peninsula. And the only way I can explain it to you is to make you watch a lecture from this guy named Dr. Timothy Snyder, and it's gonna take ninety minutes. And by then, the person's (laughs) like. 
I just don't want to pay for anybody else's war. And you're like, I kind of feel like that's where we're going to end up. <laughs> this is not like that. This is an on or off switch. This is black and white. It's not, it's a, it's a yes or a no. And what can't you do in American politics? You cannot take things away from people right. that they already have. Right. You can't. Especially so, healthcare. Yeah. Especially healthcare. Damn it. It will be quite interesting. Let's uh, let's move on to democracy docket. That's just one of those handy drops we keep around when we need one. Uh, democracy docket uh, published a, an article. Let's see. This was yesterday that this one came out. So this is about Montana, uh, Montana Public Interest Research Group versus Jacobson. Uh, lawsuit was filed about House Bill 892 in Montana. It's a it's a voting lawsuit. Again, this is Democracy Docket. That's what they deal with. Mark Elias and his team over there, very, very good. We talk about them, uh, it seems like, once a week now, which I'm not, not upset about. I'm not upset about that at all. Uh, basically, this law is about registering in a new place, and you if you register one place and you don't we deregister. Should, we, should, we should say that the Montana legislature passed a voter suppression law. Yes. It's a voter That's suppression the context. law. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the law is, is, is designed to make it look like it's trying to stop people from registering in two places to double vote. But it's really like if you move apartments and you forget to update your address and then you go and vote, you could be charged with a crime. Like it could be completely innocuous. It could be negligence on your, it doesn't have to be intentional. It just has to happen. And you could be charged with a crime in Montana. And so that court case uh, is moving forward in that one. And uh, it's a good one to watch. It, it's, it's a really good example of, you know, what we were just talking about with these abortion laws, where the wording of the law is extremely important, but you, you also have to look at how, like the intention that the wording shows like what it reveals and will judges and will federal judges really think that it's a good idea to crime to criminally penalize someone you right. have to unregister from your old address so when right. you re-register to vote instead of just filling out a voter registration form which is what you have to do in missouri if you move you just get a new voter registration form you send it in and you register to vote at your new address that's it then you have to bring a driver's license with you yep. issued by the state of missouri which is crazy but anyway um and in this law, you have to tell them all the information about where you used to live, where you used to be registered to vote. So it's just another like barrier to entry to make yep. voting, which is already something people don't really like to do. Yep. So it's just making it harder for them to do it. Um, and I think the, so the reason that we really wanted to, to kind of put this on people's radar is because John Tester, yeah. um, who is one of the kind of, I don't know, he's just kind of a really interesting member of the Senate because he sort of like is the, I call like, I think of him as like Western Fetterman in a way. He's not mm -hmm. quite. That's a good way to a, put it. Yeah. He's kind of not quite, I wouldn't say he's quite as much of a populist as John Fetterman, but he's also like just this wildly unfashionable guy. He's really down to earth. People really like him. He's very much a Montanan first. I would say like, that's kind of how he presents. And I, he, his, the control of the Senate, the, the control of the Senate, Montana is one of the states that control of the Senate is going to go through. Right. So, of course, 
they're going to try to make it more difficult for people to vote. <laughs> um, it's almost like, again, like why believing in conspiracy theories, they do it in front of your face. So, right, right, um, right. yeah. So hopefully, so thanks again to the, so I, I'm pretty sure this is, these groups are being represented by the, uh, Elias law firm. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully they've, they've been arguing a lot of these cases so successfully that one can hope that, um, uh, with the right, because it looks like they have the right plaintiffs, that this is going to be yeah. something that they'll be able to handle before November. So, yeah, it'd be good. And folks can go to democracydocket.com. Uh, you can sign up to give money to that project. We'd have no, we are in no way if like affiliated with them or, you know, we don't get anything out of that. It's, um, you know, again, we don't, we don't make this to make, but that's uh, a, money. yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> we a good, this to no, but, but we do yeah. say like, if we see particularly uh, people that are dealing with, you know, state the, yeah. the impact of voter suppression on the state level, which this is, is laboratory democracy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So um, we do like to point out when we think that money is going directly to yeah, something impactful. Yeah. And this is like, I mean, voter suppression is at a fever pitch right now because of Donald Trump. So yeah, yeah, it's a good place to give a few bucks to. And it will be just to, to, touch on that point that you made about like how a judge is going to look at this kind of language. Like I can already imagine the, it's a very simplistic uh, thing. Like, like people, the law is complicated and, and cases are complicated and appeals and things like that. Like all of this stuff is very complicated and very formalistic, but a lot of times the reasoning is very simple because it's, it's just logic. It's just really basic analysis. And so when you look at something that requires you to make an affirmative act, right? If I have to do something, then the law is requiring me to make an act at that point in time. And so we have to say, what is the basis? What is the government's need for this act? Like what, what rational basis does the government have to say to the citizen, you have to do this thing or we'll punish you for not doing it. And there's really no reason here. That's, that's what it comes down to is, if you re if you register at a new place, that's all you should need to do because you now have updated your registration. I've already made an affirmative act. Why should I have to go do the other thing? It doesn't really make any sense. Like when I go to the post office and I change my address when I move to a new place, I don't have to unregister the old address. I just change my address. And they change where the mail goes. It's a one-step thing. It's precisely the same with voting. And that's where I see these likely winding up. Anything else before we move on? No, that was well said. And uh, a, a, a good example of like why I get very lazy on my legal homework. Because I can just be <laughs> like, well, I can, I can read this or I can get the gist of it and just ask Adam in person. Yeah, it's more, um, it's, it's more fun for me too because you, you ask the kind of questions that a client asks. Uh, and so right, sure, it sure. lets me go into that, uh, that explanation mode. So yeah, yeah. that's, so, that's awesome. really what we're doing. All right, let's move on. We've got a brand new segment with a brand new drop. Uh, and I think, uh, I think you guys are going to like this one. I'm not an expert on the timeline. I'm not an expert on the timeline. I'm not an expert on the timeline. All right. This is not an expert of the week. Can I, can you remind me? Who that is in the drop that's terrible that I don't remember. <laughs> that is Missouri Congressman from the 8th District, hopefully in his last term, Jason Smith. Oh, Also right. the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, one of the most powerful committees in the United States Congress. And uh, also hilarious clown of the week, uh, 
I mean, dude got dunked on left and right by Republicans. I mean, everywhere. He was just getting smoked this week. So it inspired me to make a new segment called the Not an Expert of the Week. (laughs) (laughs) For people who do something really stupid or say something really stupid, or we just confirm that they are, in fact, not an expert, much like Congressman Jason Smith is not an expert. So this one, uh, the very first one, the inaugural uh, Not an Expert of the Week, goes to Scott Hall, one of the 18 defendants charged along with former President Donald Trump for allegedly interfering. Well, it's not alleged for Scott Hall anymore. uh, For allegedly interfering with the 2020 presidential election results in Georgia. He pled guilty on Friday. He is the first of the 18 defendants to enter a plea. This is off of an NBC News uh, article for the report. Under the terms of the agreement with Fulton County District Attorney, Hall pleaded guilty to five misdemeanor charges, will be sentenced to five years probation. If he abides by the terms of the deal, he also agreed to testify in related court hearings and trials stemming from the sprawling 41-count indictment that was unsealed in August. The key word there, of course, Rachel, was... I don't know. Testify. Oh, yeah, sorry. Testify. I was so excited about the watching... Oh, man. I would never want to be indicted uh, in a RICO case. <laughs> no. Because because the Rico, the whole point of a RICO case is to say, you guys all conspired to commit a really serious criminal act. Mm-hmm. You conspired with each other. Mm-hmm. So how do you prove... Okay, here's a question for an attorney. How is the easiest way for you to prove that there was an actual conspiracy. Yeah. It's well, because sh- short of recordings right? of the conspiracy, one right. of the members testifying uh, would be ideal. Right. So uh, probably the best way to get that person to testify is to say, I'll tell you what, you idiot. Mm-hmm. You can go to, here's the, here's the maximum sentence that you could be facing. You're going to lose and this is why, like, I've gone back to when people are just like, oh, he's going to do it again. He's going to steal. He's going to steal the election again. Look, he's going to try to do whatever he can, uh, Mr. Mr. Knucklehead um, uh, golf impresario who doesn't have his real estate empire anymore. <laughs> he's going to try a lot of things, but he made the mistake of arming himself with middle class white dudes. Yeah. And those are people that have something to lose. Which now, listen, I, you, I have gone back, go all the way back. And this is what I've been saying since th- th- January 6th about like, do you think these guys are going to walk away from their four bedroom, 3,500 square foot houses with their trucks and their boats and their lake weekend places? Maybe that's a timeshare. Visit, maybe they own visitation rights for their children, whatever, like right. all of it, all of it, all of yeah, it, all of it. And so if you are, uh, a terrorist organization, uh, and you, you, uh, I'll just say seduce the loyalty either through, uh, abuse or charis- charisma or whatever. Say you're somebody like, you know, Boko Haram or Osama bin Laden or something like that. You're dealing with people that don't have anything to lose. They will yes. go blow themselves up because they just believe you. They live in dirt. And they don't have anything else. <laughs> they live in dirt. Right. Like it's they, why they eat right, rice. Right. Or, or they don't have like these are like if you're talking to people that like I don't I mean the, the you know Africa and the other they're they're complicated places. There there's a lot of nuance there, but like 
If you're talking to people that don't have indoor plumbing yeah. and where the mortality rate of infants is like 60% or something, right. then they'll be like, sure, I have nothing to lose. These are all people we have. We have all said this on the podcast many, many times. All of these people stand to lose everything. everything. I thought the face of it were the two January 6th uh, test, t- the, the two guys that gave testimony like the second to last hearing, I think. And they were two regular ass people that were like, I used to, I think one of them was like a flooring contractor. Right. Yep. yep and yep. he lost, he's like, I'm, I had to sell my house. I'm, I, I'm under house arrest and I'm grateful to not be in jail. And I lost everything. And I regret every moment of what I did. So yeah. So they sat down this normal, this norm core guy's a bail bondsman. Yep. Those, that's a, that is a that is a that's an industry right like they can make pretty good money they make a good middle class living yeah, yeah. totally and so that is somebody that takes Unless a vacation your dog, every the year owner. right that is a, that like you can take a vacation every year right you uh again you, the the fishing boat like yeah it's that kind of your stuff kids, like, your they kids have are time in and money yeah. for recreation yeah. they have yeah so yeah they might have any, this guy's 59 he might have a grandkid yeah. or two hanging not, out there. not anymore yeah. so um i uh when i when i saw this story pop up i think a lot it, it went i mean it, it was a big story on friday like you said like this was not a quiet news week and my first reaction was to send the link to Adam and say, Trump's pretty fucked now, right? And yeah. you were like, oh, oh, yes. Yeah, this is very oh, bad. This is very bad for him. So bad for him is good for democracy. That's all I can say. Thanks, Georgia. Yeah, you sent me this and I read it and all I heard in my head was just Babu Bot from Seinfeld just going, very, very bad. <laughs> yeah that's precisely yeah, yeah so dude. probably so probably lots lots of lots of things if i were trump's legal team i would already be slinking to the floor thinking well this i hope i get a, a book yeah, deal this was a very I bad hope, day i hope i get a book deal people. that's all i could say and here's how this went uh for mr hall and and i hope that he uh pulls himself out of the hole and proselytizes uh, you know, against Trump and this movement for the rest of his life because of what it has done to him. Because, uh, again, I think this is one of those kinds of people who I don't think that Scott Hall woke up one day and said, I want to overthrow the government. I think Scott Hall was radicalized. And I think that he is probably more of a victim than uh, I think, a, you know, some of you may be completely disagreeing with me right now who are listening to this. And that's fine. I understand that. I'm telling you that I don't think that a lot of these people that were following this woke up with this in their minds and their hearts and had a, some strong desire to do this well, kind think, of a thing. I think they were led. I think it's safe to say that when you look at like when when you use the term, I just there's a there's a piece I haven't read uh, by uh, David Korn from Mother Jones that said that this calls Donald Trump a stochastic terrorist. So I haven't read it yeah, yet, so yeah. I can't quite break that down. Um, but at very least he is a certain kind of cult of personality. And if you use that, the core of what that means, um, the people who Trump increasingly surrounded himself with had disconnected from reality. It was a scary time in America. Everybody felt, I think a a bit adrift and he had led the country, the country into a belief system that science wasn't valid anymore. Right. And so speaking of, you know, 
these kind of uh, prosperity gospel people and things like that, a lot of the people that Trump seduced in a cult-like manner, whether you want to call it a cult or not, it's up to you. Um, you listener, not you, Adam Summer. Right. Um, he, uh, a lot of the people that he appeals to are used to people who lie to them all the time. Right. And people, and people who are like ultimately very powerful in their communities. You're taught not to, to question them. You're taught not to question these like male authority figures. And you know, I'll, I'll have, I don't know much about this guy. I'll, I'll wait to see what his, what his testimony is, what he says. Cause a lot of the people that are, you know, being uh, indicted with January 6th related crimes have said like, I didn't do anything wrong. I would do it again. Uh. Ah, we, we will hear him say the opposite of that because uh, as is in the article under the terms of the plea deal, he has to write an apology letter to the state for his conduct. So he doesn't get to say, I didn't do nothing wrong. He has to say, I am sorry for my actions in some way, shape, or form, and he has to do it in writing, which is an interesting uh, concept. And here's how this plea went. He, he sat down. His lawyer sat down uh, with the prosecutor. He, he might have even been in the room. And they said, here's what we've got. Flip, flip, flop, flop. Here's our evidence. Okay, they put it all out. And they said, here's what's charged with. Here's, here's what you can get. Here's the deal. You're going to write a letter. You're going to pay $5,000. You're going to do 200 hours of community service. You're going to give us a statement. And you're going to testify. And you get to go home. Or you can stay on bond and you will be tried. In jail. Yeah, probably. On, uh, as soon as we can. And we will ask for the maximum penalty. We'll be back. In and five you'll minutes. lose. And you're going to lose that house that you yeah. like so much. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And his lawyer turned to him and he said, what do you want to do? Yeah. That's a quick conversation, isn't it? Like, can I confer Should with be. my client? Yeah, Should sure. Be. I've had those kinds of conversations with people. Yeah. I've, I've been on both sides of that where I've laid it out as a, I, I do municipal prosecution work. So it's not, right. not quite this level, no. uh, but, uh, <laughs> but you lay out the, you know, here's, here's the deal. Take it or leave it. You know, we're ready for trial. Here's what we'll give you to not go to trial and uh, let's go. And I've been on the other side with, with folks and, and had those conversations and it's never easy it's never. I just had one a couple of weeks ago with it with a client. Uh, he had a civil case. He had a separate criminal criminal matter, and uh, it was a really hard conversation. But that's just the way it goes sometimes. And you hope that they make the the decision that's going to limit their you know their risk. And um, this guy did because his risk was huge because he's probably guilty as hell. So. Uh, that's, that's what's up with this one. And then honorable mention, uh, representative Jamal Bowman from New York, uh, who apparently pulled a fire alarm. The facts are still coming out as we are recording this. Uh, but it sounds, it sounds like what he did is he opened a door that he didn't realize was going to trigger a fire alarm. That's what, it, that's what has been said. Have you seen the, there's a picture of him where he's facing away from a door and he's facing what appears to be a wall and he's got a hand up on what may or may not be a fire alarm. I don't know. All I'm saying is I've never accidentally triggered a fire alarm. Yeah. I don't care. I, I don't think, I don't think Jamal Bowen was like, I know what I'll do. I'll do that. It just doesn't I, I seem, hope not. It's, I hope no, not. I hope no, not. But no, I'm just saying if there's something no, that in any way, shape or form can prove no, it, um, no, I think the dude's got problems. He didn't, he didn't fucking on purpose set up a fire alarm. 
He's maybe too, he, no, no. I don't know. Maybe. Why? Why would he do it? He voted yes. Like what? What? What would be his motivation to disrupt? I don't. I'm the just proceeding? saying. I'm just saying. It's ridiculous. Saying. Don't know. An open mind. I'm not. I'm not doing this. No. I'm keeping an open mind. That's all, no. all I'm doing. And also, Nancy Mace turns out uh, is not uh, is is kind of horrible. So we have to talk. Yeah, we'll we'll get into this in a second. But yeah, she, she's off the she's off my Christmas card list. <laughs> She'd been on it for like two seconds because I was like, maybe she doesn't suck. As it turns out, Oops. she sucks a lot. Yep, yeah, still sucks. Whoops. All right, let's move on. All right, the buy or sell. This is the nail in McCarthy's coffin. Uh, By the time this comes out, the news has probably been well settled. I think the Senate just voted before we started to record a little bit ago uh, to continue funding the government for 45 days. Uh, The bill passed in the House 335 to 91 with 209 Democrats and 126 Republicans voting together for that. Uh, 90 Republicans opposed the bill. Uh, McCarthy did not seem like he was super confident on the backside that he would be continuing to be the Speaker of the House. Um, Didn't, you know, said it like he didn't really care, but, uh, you know, anybody who's stood by to have 15 votes while you get humiliated, humiliated for days on national television probably does care a little bit. Um, Rachel. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, this, this is uh this is one of those moments where I'm sad. I can't talk about this with Sean when it's yeah. fresh. Yeah. You know, like you can still, like you can still smell it, you know, like it just came out of the oven. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, cause we don't know. It's, it's not, it's not every day that we, that we get to comment on something. It's this like literally like you can still smell the ink on the paper. You know, right, it's that, right. it's that hot off the press. Uh, I, I'm pretty hard. Pre- so you're saying like, this is the final nail in his coffin as, as, as house speaker. Yep. It's pretty hard for me to imagine. I mean, you just have to go down. So there were, uh, nine, uh, 91 no votes that were as far as I can see all Republicans. Um, uh, yeah, I think it was 90 Republicans and maybe one Democrat. Yeah. And I looked just, so, just so we're clear, like, Oh, you don't get to look. Did you look to see who the, do you know who the one Missouri rep was that voted nay? I do, but fun- I, I already looked it up, but I probably, oh. I probably would have guessed it. Oh, see, I was, I was going to get, I, I, I thought Jason Smith would have voted. No, 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 no. He's, he's chairman of the committee, right? So if the okay, bill, okay. if the bill came okay, out, yeah, fair, okay. Yeah. All right. So he, he, out, he would have had to vote for it. Wagner can't afford to vote against it. Um, right. Alford's in a district that has major military funding issues and education funding issues. So Burleson was the, for me, he was by process of elimination, the one plus Burleson is the the MAGA-iest of like, I know people want it to be Jason Smith's not the MAGA-iest candidate. He's, he's closer to an old school Republican than a MAGA. He pretends MAGA. I know he went to the January 6th thing, but like the rest of his record of the rest of his behavior screams. He's kind of more, he's kind of more blunty. Yeah. He, he's, he's kind of more that side of the party. trying right, to be. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. is not trying to be that. Uh, yeah. But all the rest of the Republicans voted for it. Uh, Quigley was the lone Democrat out of Illinois. Demo- uh, Democrat from Illinois, Quigley, voted no. 
all the other no votes were Republicans. Uh, and yeah, there, I yeah, mean, so kind this, of a so smattering is, across the board. This is, so this is a bill that like there was a, one house member in Kansas voted. No, all yeah. the other, like there's one Democrat, there's one Democrat. Uh, oh my God. This is the tired. This Trace is Davids. The, thank you. She voted. Yay. Cory Bush voted. Yay. All the, the, the squad. All yes. Everybody. Yes. Um, so interesting. So you got to look at those 91 and figure that the first thing they're going to want to do next week right. is humiliate him. Jim Jordan, Nancy Mays, can. Doug Mann. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, McLean. Yeah. Gosser. Yeah. Gosser. Go- yeah, exactly. So exactly. It's, 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 it's all those, it's all those cretins. And, and I'm really just, disapp- I, I, I thought that Nancy Mace was, I mean, I knew she was Trumpy. And I knew that she was trying to sort of like carve out her little, her little sweet spot mm-hmm. as a young new conservative. Um, but uh, she sucks. I don't know what to say. Yeah, she had this like a... early 2000s libertarian yeah. thing going for a little yeah. bit where it was totally. like, I'm cool with everything. I'm just, I just not down with taxes. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that seems to be fading like, away. So I guess the whole point of these people, like we've all said before, is just to, make sure the thing doesn't work. They're just there to break it from the inside. Um, And you can all suck it as basically my, and uh, you, as you correctly highlighted, um, uh, while there is uh, not nearly the amount of gutting that uh, the idiots in the freedom caucus, whatever nonsense wanted um, pretty much the bill is the, 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 the bill was pretty much what came out of the Senate uh, except the house stripped out all funding for Ukraine. So, right. um, I guess what I've learned from this time here with this, with this party is that they went from being the party of, we're going to be very dominant in the world from a military perspective for five decades. We're going to start wars. We're going to, uh, plunk troops down wherever the hell we want. And Donald Trump became this isolationist guy because of the Iraq war. And that has spread a certain kind of rot through mm-hmm. the Republican party to include not supporting, um, an ally in Europe. And it's a 1930s so, style of nationalism. It is really. Yeah. So we're back to, we're back. Yeah. There's so much when people, when, 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 when smarty pants types, thank you, Sean Diller want to compare Joe Biden to Jimmy Carter and kind of, drag mm-hmm. the conversation back to that. No, I'm like, no, we are in the thirties right now. Yep. yep. We're, we are post Spanish. We're post Spanish flu, uh, post depression. Well, it's the, the post- part of the buildup to world war two that we don't get it. You know, if, that's if, right. If you haven't that's dug right. super deep into world war two stuff. And I'm not talking about, uh, you know, watching band of brothers. I'm talking about reading, you know, primary source material history of stuff that was going on like at the time letters, the letters that these presidents were writing and diplomatic leaders. There's a lot of written stuff because of the, that was the best, fastest mode of communication for a lot of this stuff. So there's a lot of, of written material from that time. And in the 1930s, the, the United States foreign policy was extremely isolationist and the generalized feeling was that's a European problem. And there was a ton of American support for Nazi Germany in a similar way to the, this, this sort of, you know, this, these 90 Republicans and some of the people who seem to follow this same kind of line of thinking, 
the, the way that they talk about Russia, where right. it's very, very similar in that aspect. And, and it's not, they're not one for one comparisons, but there's a ton of overlap and a ton it's of very, similarity. It's very, 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 very similar. Yeah. And the, 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 the rhetoric during the historic time that you're talking about was also like, why would we go defend Britain? Yeah. We, we just, we, we purposefully separated ourselves from them. Why are we going to go defend the crown? Why the right. hell would we go do right. that? Why would we go fight with Russia? That's insane. Why would we go work with communists? Right. So it was, you know, and, and similarly, it was a complicated time in Europe. So um, I'm obviously happy, uh, you know, the, the reason I'm kind of pushing back on the Bowman thing is because the extremists who voted no have said that he did it so that the, the budget wouldn't pass to make McCarthy look bad. I was like, you guys don't need him for that. Right. He did. He did something stupid. I'm not saying that he didn't screw up. I'm just saying like, you guys are doing a far good or better job of destroying Kevin McCarthy's political capital right. <laughs> than any single Democrat could. Right. Yeah, uh, that's they just like, so, you know, I like it's, uh, it's definitely pathetic. And uh, for like, even I, I didn't look to see how Elise Stepanek voted. Did she vote? No, I just want that. She's the one person, one um, of the other people I really want to know how she it, voted. Let me pull it back up here. Thank you. Quick. Uh, and for folks, if you don't know this, clerk.house.gov, uh, tons of useful information. And it's, and you and it's can very see how, easy to use. Yeah, it's super very easy, easy to use. use. Um, and uh, who am I looking for again? Stefan? St- uh, St- yeah, New York. Mm-hmm. You can just pull down all the New York uh, votes because yeah. I'm. I want to see how our how our uh... Stefanik voted yes. Oh, interesting. Okay. In fact, here let's let me change it to n- no votes from New York, no data found. Okay, so all that's the interesting. So all that's New York how delegation that is yeah. how okay that is how sensitive that they know this is because all those Republicans in swing districts. Are like I I'm not going to lose my job. Correct. Thank you very much. I mean, the, she's like the she's like what she's like very, she's like Jason Smith in that uh, she's very v- vocally Trumpy. Like she's very mm-hmm. like she hates Kevin McCarthy. Um, she was very like she's been agitating against his speakership from the beginning. Anyway, that's very interesting. I think right. That's very Sh- shit disturber himself. Santos voted yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Because so. he again like knows that he's fucked if he doesn't. So interesting. Thanks for humoring me. Yeah, I don't think that vote's going to be what saves his uh, career, but, you know, we'll see. All right, let's move on to the big one. And now, the big one. Are the big one, Amazon price manipulation suit. This is uh, coming out of the Guardian's summary article. The Federal Trade Commission and 17 state attorneys general have sued Amazon alleging the e-commerce behemoth uses its position in the marketplace to inflate prices on other platforms, overcharge sellers, and stifle competition. And I don't know what they're talking about because I just uh, was searching to buy something for Halloween. Uh, I'm supposed to be Bowser because we're doing Mario as a family this year. And uh, I could only find one costume, and it's basically only available on Amazon. So I'm not sure what they're talking about. 
So this is, I think this is, uh, yeah. What's what's so let's, let's like, let's widen the lens out and then we'll drill back in. Yeah. So it is not illegal to have a monopoly. It's not. I think we talked about this it's, a couple of weeks ago. It's we did. Cause we're talking about Google. Yeah. It is illegal to abuse monopoly power the way yeah. the raw, the laws in America are written. We need new antitrust laws. We need laws that address these massive companies. Um, and uh, so the FTC, led by Lena Khan, um, I think that you can safely say this is kind of her crown jewel in yeah. her chairmanship of the FTC so far. I think it's also the the best surgical attack that she can make against Amazon with the laws that she certainly she currently has available to her. Right. So let's talk about what this case is really about. So similarly to the conversation we had about Google a few weeks ago. So what this isn't is that in that case, it was the justice department. It's the United States government in the justice department suing Google for abuse, abuse of power for different reasons. Yeah. It is not the government saying we're going to force you to divest yourself from your search engine. And yeah, they're not trying to make Amazon not be Amazon. They're just trying to make them not use their they, power. They are. <laughs> they are trying to make it. They're they're basically saying, so I, I want to be clear about this because what people want the government to do and what it can do are often two very different things. So the right. government, for example, can't just order just because they're successful in their attempt to stop monopoly abuse doesn't mean that they're going to force the company to divest itself of their other assets and stuff like that. Right. So there's right. not going to be a force. Right. There probably isn't going to be like a force break of Amazon's cloud service and stuff. What this case is about is the fact that Amazon has an unprecedented level of retail power through, because of its, it's, it's a marketplace seller. So a lot right. of people don't understand that Amazon does not operate like a regular retailer. So, uh, Right, they People don't think purchase third-party goods to resell right. at a higher price for profit. Except they also do that. So, so Amazon and they is also have their own brands now. Right. So Amazon. So so it's been an open secret for years that Amazon price gouges its marketplace by overcharging for its delivery services and right. says. You can only use our fulfillment services if you sell goods on Amazon. Right. So if you're a company, if you're us, if you wanted to, um, if we wanted to sell goods on Amazon and we were like, we have our own fulfillment centers. We don't, we don't want to use yours. Amazon would be like, well, then you can't sell on Amazon. Right. Right. So there are some products that you can only really as a retailer sell if you, if you're on Amazon. Um, so the, the the other aspect of this is that Amazon is also has its own ad network now. Right. It's a very powerful people don't understand this about Amazon now. Amazon is a more powerful search engine for retail than Google is. So for the last it's it's been over the last course of the last like five or six years that every year there's a company, it's a it's a I just forgot the name of it, but it's a market research firm. And they do a report called the state of Amazon. And one of the questions that they ask people is when you look for stuff, where do you go? 
When you search for things, where do you, you go? go? To Amazon. You go to Amazon because they have everything. Yep. Um, if I'm if looking you, for just information, I will search Google. If I'm looking to purchase something, nine times out of ten, I probably search on Amazon first. Right. So it is. It is not. Uh, it, again, like the things that they're charging Amazon with are things that Amazon has already admitted that it does. So one of the other things that it does, and if this isn't monopoly abuse or a, a, a monopoly power abuse, I don't know what it is. They tell sellers on the marketplace that you cannot sell this same product for less money somewhere else. Right, right. Which means that Amazon, if you, now what, one of the things that Google does now, so you can do this little experiment at home, if you have uh, Google uh, in your search browser, you can search for a product of some kind. You know, look for something generic, uh, tires or headphones or something. And uh, if you're looking, if you if you go to Google, you know, you can look for like just uh, like items for sale or whatever. You know, that the, the, you get that that bar at the top. Right. If you click on a, a Google product listing, it will give you a, a gutter on the right that shows you all the places where that product is available for sale. Mm-hmm. I promise you. 99.9% of the time, it is going to be cheaper on Amazon because it has to be. It can't mm-hmm. be cheaper anywhere else. It can't be cheaper on... So all these... So eBay is a marketplace. In some cases, Target is a marketplace. Sometimes Wayfair is a marketplace. They have their own stuff too. They have their own brands, but they also have uh, they also have marketplace sellers. And you start to see this kind of like redundant product in all these places because they sell in all these different services, but it's always going to be the cheapest on Amazon because they're required to do that right. with their seller's agreement that they have to sign with Amazon. So Amazon is this retail behemoth that is now so gargantuan that you uh, don't really have a choice but to do business with them if you're a certain kind of product. And they extract a 50, 50% cut yeah. For every product sold on their platform. So here's what happens when you're an Amazon seller now. You have to use their fulfillment center. Can you hear me okay? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, you guys. My, my Zoom is being a little bit skippy. Um, no, you're good. Okay. So let me go back. So if you're selling an Amazon, you have to use their fulfillment centers. Um, they might advertise use their own advertising engine to advertise a product that they sell against you. They might create a similar product as yours and sell it against yours at a lower price. They force you to, into a the, the prime relationship. So if you don't make products available for prime shipping, you can't sell uh, on Amazon. And they take a 50% cut of everything that you sell. I would not want to be Amazon facing the FTC right now. This is something, especially because, like, similarly to Google, um, there are 17 states that are joining forces with the FTC in this lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. So when you talk talk about um, one of the reasons that one of the reasons that Amazon can afford to do this is because they have this massive cloud infrastructure. Right. So they've been able to uh, certain 
aspects of their of their retail business is a loss leader. They can chart. They don't have to make money on retail. That's crazy, right? right? right. Isn't that bananas? That Amazon. I'm gonna say this again. Amazon's retail business does not have to be profitable right. because it makes so much money through its cloud services. The way the laws are currently written, the the United States government cannot turn to Amazon and say that's fucked. Right. That doesn't make any sense. That's insane. You can't like if Josh Howley during one of his grandstanding moments during the um one of the many uh am, one of the many uh big tech hearings they had over the last couple of years was like, I don't care. I just don't think that Amazon should be blah 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 blah. And you know what? He's an asshole, but he was right. Right. So this, if he does not, if Josh Howley, like the one thing the way, he's been consistent on is this, this stuff. And he's a lawyer. So he knows what he's, he knows right. how to talk this talk. Right. Now he's misguided and his motivations are, are insincere because he's trying to do the whole like big tech censors this nonsense. Um, right. But, but one of the ways that he could be useful, he could be our useful idiot in this case is to say Inequivocally, that he's standing with Lena Khan and the FTC, that it's long overdue yeah. that we hold Amazon to account for being uh, a, a abusive right. to its marketplace sellers. Which he could so easily a, do. He could easily do it. I don't even think he would take a political hit. If anything, it probably helps either. him sew up his re-election in 2024 in Missouri. And on top of that, I, Josh Hawley is dead in the water for president right now. But yes. he's not that doesn't mean that he doesn't want to still be president. So, you know, that's where this guy's ambitions are faced. And that's, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if, if he at some point in the next six months does something pretty big and splashy related to this particular, maybe not this case, this type of issue. And we bringing him up because he's one of the Republicans who's kind of leaned into the populism. He Mm -hmm. supported the UAW strike, which is ridiculous because he, was anti right to work in the United right. pro right to work in Missouri and anti any kind of like wage increase for workers right. when he was running, uh, when he was running for election. But this is a guy who has worked with Amy Klobuchar more than one time. Very closely. On yeah, trade very, issues. Very closely. Very closely. So, um, you know, I'm going to try to be Sean. I'm going to put on my Sean hat for a second and go like, okay, well, why is a show about politics in the Midwest and is in particular like state politics? Why the hell are they talking about, monopoly abuse by an online retailer. I want you to think about how small businesses can survive in places like, I don't know, literally anywhere. It was bad enough that there's a piece that we included in the show notes by a guy named uh, Corey Doctorow, who has written a lot of books. His latest, I think it was 22, was like called Choke Point Capitalism, I think. Um, so he has a lot to say about like platforms and the one piece that he wrote that I thought was particularly funny is called the Inshinification of TikTok. <laughs> and you don't have to read the whole thing, anybody, but if you read the first, like, I don't know, probably like seven, 800 words of, of, of the essay, it's all about this issue. It is right. completely about how Amazon treats the sellers. And then it goes into like Facebook and it kind of goes into some of the things that I talk about. It's going to be very difficult for us to maintain a pluralistic, successful democracy if we cannot wrench back capital from these massive uh, conglomerates that, you know, it's one thing when um, media was controlled by a handful of uh, uh, movie studios because we had laws in place that could kind of like keep them in check a little bit. Right. It's one thing 
when we had uh, like a handful of airlines abusing monopoly power because, um, you know, they still employed a lot of people, it, you know, like it, it sort of, but they also just did not have the market capitalization of these companies. These companies have so much unprecedented access to capital. Right. And if you don't chip away, so the FCC has been successful at getting some, uh, judgments against Amazon and they're significant because they're successful. It's not, it's, it's chump change to Amazon. I mean, these are, you know, these are, they're, they're slaps on the wrist and it's not big enough and we need new laws and so forth. But when you, it kind of goes back to the idea of like, how are we going to, how are we going to hang on to this fragile democracy that we're all sitting on right now? Right. Well, we probably need a more diverse online ecosystem. Yeah, right? at the very least, we need the ability to know that when we're looking at products online, that we are not being pushed into something based on the power, whether it's price or product itself, right? If you want to talk about just the basic freedom as a consumer, you know, in a, in a country that's a, you know, this is a capitalistic country. Capitalism doesn't favor price setting, right? This is the invisible hand. Price setting is the, is anathema to capitalism a hundred percent does not support a free market and free trade and to have a company that is this powerful it's not that it stifles freedom and I, basic freedom and one, right and one of the things that i've said for a long time that is essentially problematic about companies that have so much wealth from one part of their business stack from one part of their uh massive, you know, holdings that the other parts of their business can be loss leaders. That's right. But those loss leaders become central to the way that we function as human beings in America and, and, and the rest of the world. So Google can operate YouTube at a significant loss probably right? right. because their ad stack is so successful and they make so much, it just prints money. Right. So it doesn't matter. Amazon owns a TV studio, a movie studio, and a, the biggest online game, live game streamer, none of those have to be profitable right. for them. Right. 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 So that makes it much, that much more difficult for anybody to decide, you know what? I'm going to, I have this idea. I think it's going to be kind of cool. I have some money. I'm going to start this business. And you want to make sure that if they're going, if they have to sell it online, which is where else are you going to sell stuff in 2023? Right. right? Unless it's food. Um, and even then, like some of it's going to have to go. So y- you want to make sure that Amazon doesn't have the right legally to say, well, I'm going to make that. I'm going to make it. I have a massive supply chain. Yeah, I'm going to make they it cheaper. Their- I'm going to sell it way cheaper and you right. can still sell it here, right. but I'm going to make you sell it in a way that's going to make you not profitable right. and right. make people not buy your product. Right. Right. So all, all of, so all of these, um, and I'm going to, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm, we, we have the, we have the time schedule. So, so hopefully it, it will hold firm, but I'm going to talk to somebody. So in the, uh, guardian piece, you'll see a quote from Matt Stoller, who's the founder of the American economic liberties project. I'm going to talk to a friend of the podcast, Pat Garofalo. He's been on a couple of times. Um, he, uh, he sent out, uh, kind of their kind of a position, uh, on, I think this is like one of those things that everybody was really like waiting for because it's not a surprise that this is Lena Khan wrote a paper about 
the kind of the monopoly power that Amazon's marketplace had in the right. retail space. Right. Um, and this comes at a time after Walmart had kind of successfully taken over main streets yeah. and became sort of the central, the centrally. Well, and, and we're just starting to see that sort of come back a little bit in some of these places, like here in Warrensburg, where I'm at um, our, our main drag, there are more things opening right now. There's a place around the corner just opened up this little mercantile place. That's a uh, selling all these different vendors are selling local products and yeah. it's got a little music space. And it's yeah. like, it's exactly the kind of place that used to exist. And it's exactly right. the kind of place that stopped existing because of the Walmart impact on these communities. Sure. So sure. it'll be very interesting to see where we're, we're, Pretty tight on our time here. We've been going for no, a I'll while. Just, I'll, so just, I'll just, I'll yeah, just say really quickly wrap, that like, put a bow yeah, on yeah. I'll just say really out. quickly that like one of the things that Amazon has done to sort of the face of American business is that, and this is something that, you know, is, is the execution of, of policy, right? So this is the Biden administration looking at monopolistic practices and being like, just like he stood with auto workers. This right. is definitely standing to help empower uh, you know, Amazon is not known for treating its workers well, whether it's in their warehouses or their corporate spaces. Like they're just kind of a, a, a they're a problematic company. Right. And they they came to power at a time when big box stores had decimated yeah. uh, small retailers all over the country. So they the one two punch was Home Depot, Lowe's, uh, Walmart, um, Barnes and Noble, like all these stores like coming in with like you know cheap capital and cheap labor and just wiping out local booksellers, local hardware stores, local yeah. everything. Yeah. And then Amazon comes along and is like, well, we're going to, we're going to make it hard for you guys to stay in business now. Yeah. And we're going to set the tone and the pricing of how you guys have to compete online by making things as cheap as possible. So hopefully yeah, remember office Depot, no staples, anybody, staples. anyone, yeah. Anyone? All right. So, Remember the last time you went shopping for office supplies? You haven't in years, no. and you get the. I get it. I look. I'm a Prime get member. All. I get it. Yeah, me too. I get. I get so much stuff from Amazon. This isn't about like. I, I work. Don't... I work at a small business, and I've been running our supplies for years, right? Uh, doing that, and I have personally been part of the transition from right. we used to have an Office Depot in our town that I used to go to and buy yeah. our supplies. Yeah. And now I order them. You don't have to. All of them. So so uh, this isn't about like you guys should go looking for things online and other places. I've had people call me and say, where should I buy things? I'm like, wherever the fuck you want. This isn't about like, you can't change. This This is where I'll wrap this up. We've been gaslighting ourselves as consumers for a long time by saying, well, I'll just shop. I'll just vote vote with your dollar. And sometimes that works a little. if, If everybody kind of gives it a big heave ho. Sometimes it makes an impact. Ask Anheuser-Busch. Yeah, when 30% of the country stopped drinking Bud Light, it, it mattered. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is different. You cannot stop a power like this because the spine of their business is how the internet functions now. So right, right. it doesn't matter if you buy it at Target or Amazon. Buy it wherever you want. It just use what, spend right. your money. Where, uh, it is the, uh, this is, I, I'll say, like, if I had to champion one thing that Joe Biden has done that is evident, but this is before he picketed with the UAW strikers, um, uh, I would say that that his position on antitrust 
is proof that he wants to shift the paradigm of American, the American economy completely. Yeah. He wants to completely shift the paradigm of the American economy. Yeah. And if you are talking to people who are still like, I don't know, man, I'm not really sure. You should be like, do you know what he's doing to break up big yeah. monopolies? Yeah. That is an interesting conversation to get into with people who are kind of on the fence because yeah. uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fruit there to pick. Cause he's done a terrific job so far. Absolutely. I think. Well, good week. Thanks for hanging out. And uh, we will uh, see you probably mostly on Friday. A uh, reminder uh, that uh, we're going to have an interview with chairman of the democratic party in the state of Missouri, Russ Carnahan. I talked with him uh, a little bit Friday morning of this past week. And so that's going to be coming out Wednesday morning. So make sure you look for that. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks. Heartland Pod is a production of MidMap Media LLC. Producers Adam Summer, Rachel Parker, and Sean Diller. Outro song by American Aquarium, written by BJ Barnum, called The World is on Fire. Learn more about the Heartland Pod at heartlandpod.com. Learn more about American Aquarium at americanaquarium.com. That's when I saw a tear fall from her eyes She said, what are we gonna do? What's this world coming to? For the first time in my whole life I stood there speechless
Oh, my God. 